know a few things about those people. Primarily, you know that they've got some struggle in their life. And those struggles can be extremely varied. Uh, some can be physical, some can be emotional, some can be spiritual, uh, some can be family related, some can be very personal. But everybody in this room is struggling with something. And during our worship this morning, we took, a, took some time to look at the great trial of the life of Jesus. To look at the time when He came face to face with that struggle within His own manhood. That struggle as He went into that garden and He, and he prayed to His Father, let this cup pass from Me. You see, He was sitting there before that moment realizing this is what needs to be done. There wasn't a lot of question about that. But He needed some strength. He needed some encouragement. He needed to know that He was not alone. He needed to take His burdens and cast them upon His Father. Who cares? And as I prepared the lesson for this morning, and we touched upon this this morning, the idea just keeps coming across... If Jesus needed that, if Jesus, the Son of God, who understands everything, needed that, you know, I think Wes Hazel needs that too. I think there's not a person in this room who doesn't need to go before our God. Because the truth is, every person in this room from time to time faces something, and I know what I've got to do. I know what I've got to say. I know where I've got to go. I know who I've got to be with. It, it, whatever it is, it, it's these things, that they just don't come natural to us. It's hard. It's difficult. It's not what I would have chosen, but there it is. And I'm staring at it and I'm thinking, do I do it or do I not do it? Do I follow God? Do I seek His will? Or do I turn around and run? What about this cup? We talked this morning for a few moments about James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and their mother's request for them to be on his right and on his left. And, and, and you, remember, you remember what Jesus said to them in Matthew 20 and verse 28, when He said, you, you don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? All He's trying to say there is this is a lot more than you even understand. This is a challenge to your life. This is not something that we can flippantly dismiss or that we can isolate and very coldly uh, religiousize our lives. This is real life. This is real life, what's about to happen as I go to the cross. This is real life, the, the, the crosses that, that, that each of you are called to bear. Can I drink this cup? Can I do the things and be the person that I want to be and that God wants for me to be? Jesus struggled there in Matthew 26. And He said, if it's possible, then let this cup pass from me. And those situations where our prayer simply is, if there's any other way. You know those times when we don't know what to pray, but we know that we need to pray. And we pray the same thing that Jesus prayed. I don't know why. 
I don't know how. But I'm just asking for some relief. I'm asking for you to, to find some other path because I know that you can do that. I don't know if I can bear it. I don't know if I can bear this thing. When we come into those moments, and once again, we all have those moments, don't we? Whether you're 88 years old or you're 18 years old, you've got things that you're struggling with. You're staring right down the barrel of the gun that we call life. Let's do what Jesus did. Let's do what Jesus did. Let's pray. Let's take just a moment, not just to fill a slot or to fill a time, not just to go through emotion, but let's honestly and openly take our soul and bear it before our God. We talked a little bit of that description of Christ that, that, that the Bible talks about and the passion that He had as He fell on His face as He cried tears in His prayers. Let's talk to God like that. Whatever your care is, whatever your concern. I, I may look at it and I say, well, that's, that's not significant. And you may look at my life and you may say, well, that's not that big of a deal. But it's a big deal, isn't it? It's what you're dealing with. It's that minor surgery and major surgery, right? Minor surgery is your surgery, Bradley, and major surgery is my surgery. And we all understand that. God cares about all of our surgeries. God cares about all of our hurts and all of our concerns. Listen, if it's, if it's of importance to my child, it's important to me. He's counted even the hairs upon my head. I don't know exactly what you're struggling with, but can I encourage you to pray? Can I encourage you, if, if you look at the prayer life of Jesus and you wonder, and you wonder about His intensity... Can I encourage you to get on your knees? Can I encourage you and to, to put your face on the ground? Can I encourage you to confess things to your, to, to your God? Confess it out loud. Things that make you uncomfortable even to say. See, that's, that's where it gets personal. That's where it gets intense, right? As long as I remain very formal, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with a formal prayer. The Bible is filled with formal prayers. But as long as I remain very formal, many times I, I don't have the passion. I don't have that relationship. So can I encourage each one of us in whatever we're struggling with to vocalize the thing maybe that we've never said before? That reality that maybe, maybe you know about and maybe your family knows about and maybe everybody knows about but nobody wants to speak of it. You guys have things like that in your family? <laughs> do we have things like that in this church? Come on. In life we do. We all know it's there but nobody wants to say it. Say it out loud. Talk to your God. Make those words come out of your mouth. That's what happened in the garden. And when I ask the question, can I drink this cup? Can I face, can you face the thing that you are facing? Pray to God about it. The great Apostle Paul talked about his life. And he said, there was a thorn in the flesh that was given to me. 
And nobody here knows what that is. People have guessed about it and speculated for the last 2,000 years. But, but I know that it meant there was something that was bothering him. There was something that constantly plagued him. There was something that whenever he looked at his life, whether it was physical or emotional or spiritual, whatever it was, he looked at his life and he said, I wish that wasn't there because that makes my life so much harder. It makes my life so much more difficult. It's a pain. It's a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. He said, about this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that, I, that it might depart from me. Have you pleaded with God? Sometimes I wonder about my own prayer life. I inform God a lot. I, I ask God a lot. Have you pleaded with God? Is there a difference in someone who asks and someone who pleads? You ever have someone come plea for you to do something? Yeah. Pleading generally comes right after asking. Right? Someone will say, can you do this? I don't think I can. We need you. Please come and do this. We are desperate. We need you to support this. We need you to help us. Please. I'm desperate. I don't have anywhere else to turn. Right? There's a difference. When people are broken enough to plead, Paul says, I have pleaded with the Lord not once, not twice, but over and over and over. God, this is what I'm asking. I, there's nowhere else to turn. The Hebrew writer said that, that our Lord pleaded and cried out to the, one, to the One who was able to save Him from death. Those things that we deal with in life that, that you, you can come and talk to Wes about it, but Wes can't do anything about it. You can, you can come and talk to Stephen about it. Stephen can't do anything about it. Donnie can't do anything about it. John can't do anything about it. Those are the things that we struggle with, aren't they? I want to talk to the one who can do something about it. I want to plead with him. I want to open my heart to him. Pray. That's what prayer really is. We look at those passages about a peace that passes understanding and, and sometimes we say, but I prayed and I didn't get that peace. Right? I mean, I think I kind of did what, what Philippians says to do. I prayed. Did you plead? Did you bear your soul? Did you, did you take off the restraints? Did you allow yourself to be intimate with God? That's where peace comes from. Peace does not come, that peace that passes understanding, it does not come from, from, from that formalized ideology of I have to say a certain, a, these certain words in this certain order in this certain time. That doesn't give us peace. Bearing our soul gives us peace. Pray. Pray, pray for removal. Pray for removal. When you go to the hospital... What do you pray for? I think sometimes we skip this step. When you go to the hospital, pray for that person to be healed. When someone gets a terminal diagnosis, when they, when they use that word cancer, what do you pray for? 
God, I'm asking you to do something here. I'm asking you to do something that human beings cannot do. I'm asking you to supersede the laws of nature. That, that, that's, what, that's what we pray for, right? I'm asking you to do something that if you don't do something, wouldn't happen. I'm asking you to take it away. I'm asking you, Lord, I'm just asking you to fix it. Maybe it's a family struggle. Maybe it's a health struggle. Maybe, maybe it's a... I don't know, what, whatever, your, whatever cup we're struggling to drink. I'm going to start out right here. Lord, heal this man. Fix this situation. You do something that I would have never dreamed of doing. Isn't that how God works so often? We look back at our lives in retrospect and we see the hand of God and we say, I never saw that coming. We look at the biblical account of the ways that God works and I want to tell you, God does some strange things. So often I, I, I look at the hand of God and I think if I was trying to accomplish the same purposes that He was trying to accomplish, I would have never done it that way. But yet God does it that way. How would you have saved Israel from a famine? How would you save somebody from a famine? Well, I guess I'd give more food, right? God takes a boy who has brothers that are so sinful and He allows him to be sold as a slave. God works strangely. Because I'm telling you if, you, if, 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 if you, if you're a normal thinking person, you don't think about, about doing it that way. That's how God does it. God works strangely. So God, work in my life. That's what I'm asking for. Do something that I've never expected. Do something that I'll never see coming. Pray for removal of whatever it is. That's exactly what Jesus prayed for. Lord, let this cup pass from me. What's He asking? Do something so that I don't have to go to the cross. So that I don't have to endure what I'm going to have to endure. That's what he prayed for. Pray for removal. Friends, pray, pray for endurance. Lord, as I pray, as I pray, I understand that there are lots of things that I don't understand. There is a way which seemeth right to a man, but it is a way which leads unto death. I don't know that there are more humbling words in all of the Bible. Because I want to tell you that there are a lot of things that, that they just seem right to me. It just seems like this ought to happen or that ought to happen. And God says, you don't understand, Wes. Some of you are pretty smart. You don't understand. God understands things that we don't. So as I pray, even as I pray for healing, even as I pray for relief, Lord, maybe You won't heal this person. Maybe You won't resolve this situation. Lord, give me the strength to endure it. Give me the wisdom to know what to say and how to handle these things. Give me those things in a way that I would not have if I did not come before you. Do, 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 do we believe that? Do we believe in the power of prayer? 
Do we believe that, that, that one receives strength from prayer in a way that you would not have that strength if you did not pray? Do we, do we believe that? Do we believe that one receives wisdom, James chapter 1, when we pray to God in a, in a way that we would not have that wisdom if we did not plead with our God for it? See, those are the promises. Pray for those things. Lord, strengthen this person. Strengthen me as your servant. Pray for removal. Pray for endurance. And then learn to lean upon Him. Lean upon Him. This is not an academic exercise. This is not a theological only conversation. This is not something that only takes place on pieces of paper. When we face the cup that must be drank, it's real, and it's scary, and it's painful, and it's confusing. And it's filled with so many emotions that we, we couldn't describe and we probably wouldn't feel comfortable describing tonight. Lean upon God in a very real way. The psalmist says in the 23rd Psalm, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I'm going through this, even though I am going to drink the cup, I've prayed to you. I've asked for removal. And for whatever reason, you're God and not me. I don't know. For whatever reason, you've allowed this to continue in my life. Well, there's so many times I wish I could ask God, why are you letting this go on? Why don't you give me an answer? Why don't you give me some relief? I don't know. He didn't always tell me. He didn't always tell you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. That's what he's saying. I want to receive comfort. I want to receive it in a tangible way. I saw a little Facebook post. I don't, it might have been one of your Facebook posts. I don't know. You see all these little pictures and cute little things. But some of them really make you think. And I saw one yesterday or today. And it said, Wouldn't it be a shame if your children, if your children grew up and you taught them all of their life that they should trust in God, but they never actually saw you trust in God? What do I do that shows trust in God? I'm talking about tangible decisions. I'm talking about course, courses of my life, ways that I have control within myself, that if God wasn't there, everything would fall apart. That's trust. Oh, just tell me about our trust in God and, and write psalms about it, although there are beautiful psalms about it. Show me that sermon. Right? And you've seen people. You've seen people who have walked through, they've walked through the valley. They have looked death straight in the eye. They have dealt with the most terrible of circumstances. And yet their faith seems to grow stronger every day. And we marvel. That's what faith is. That's trust. 
The Lord says in Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Fear not, for I am with you. Sometimes I have to remind myself I'm not alone. Because when I have to drink the cup, I feel very alone. I'm not alone. My God is there. Your God is there. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I have to turn over there. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, he wrote about the struggles that he endured in his ministry. Listen to what he said. He said, at my first offense, no one supported me. All deserted me. Or may it not be counted against them. He says, I want to tell you about a hard time in my life. I want to tell you about a time that I had to stand up. I want to tell you about a time that, 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 that I, had, I had to do what I knew to be right. I had to drink a cup that I didn't want to drink. It didn't taste good. And everybody turned their back. And the people that I thought would stand did not stand. But, I love this, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. But the Lord stood with me. And I want to be able to look life in the eye. And I want to be able to share the goriest details of any story. And I'm looking out there and I know some of you got some stories. Some of you live some life of some things that have happened and even some things that you're dealing with today. And I want to be able to say, but the Lord stood with me. No matter what the story is or how bad the story is, but the Lord stood with me. When Steve gets back, I think he's... I don't know where Steve... He's somewhere sharing the work about Nigeria, but Steve came into the office on Thursday, Friday, Friday morning, and he was extremely agitated. And that's not altogether uncommon for Steve, but I, I started to ask him, what's going on, Steve? He said, I just got a phone call. He said, there's a preacher... There's a preacher that was in a city, and it's a city that I sent him to. I sent him there. And this morning, that preacher, your brother in Christ, that preacher had a wife and five children. He was murdered this morning. Happened last Friday in Nigeria. Boko Haram, the, the, the Muslim terrorist who kidnapped all those little girls that they, never, that they still haven't found, came in and murdered that man. That's a cop. It's a cup and a half. You're going to face death itself? But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. You think those, you think those words would have any significance to His wife? To His children? Who face these things? A widow? Children without a father? living in the same world, in the same context. But the Lord stood with me. I like to read in Ephesians 2 as he paints that unbelievable picture of how far we are from Christ 
He says, but God. But God. That no matter what I face, no matter what story you can tell, but God. We have that high priest who can sympathize, who can support, who can build us up, who can strengthen us. Lean upon Him. Make choices and decisions and choose paths in your life that reflect the fact that I'm not walking alone. That's where peace comes from. That's where the peace that passes all understanding comes from. It doesn't come from getting, getting rid of the cup. It doesn't. Some of us have walked away from some cups and they, we didn't bring us peace. But we know our God is there and we lean upon Him. Just lean upon your God. Lean upon His body. The body of Christ. You are not in this alone. You're not. You're not supposed to be. Lean upon the body of Christ. Those spiritual burdens, those spiritual struggles. He talks in Galatians chapter 6 about, about the effort to, to restore one's soul. And he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Guess what? No, God has never called anyone in this room to go out and live the Christian life all by yourself. He gave us the church. One of the sad things about the religious state of our society today is how people want to downplay the church. The church is God's institution. It's God's body. And one of the purposes of that body is so that we can help each other. Because there's not a person in this room who at some point in your life and in your walk, whether it is spiritual, physical, emotional, is not going to need someone to put their arm around you, to reach out a hand and help you up. Tell those stories. I think sometimes, and I don't think, I know, we look around the room and we think, well, you know, they, they don't have these struggles. Oh, come on. Come on. Look to the person who's sitting beside you. They've been there. Sometimes when I'm standing up here, I, and, and, and we. I just want to draw connections that I wish people knew about. Do you know that they're dealing with the same thing that they're dealing with, and they're dealing with the same thing that they're dealing with? And all, but somehow, but somehow we, we get into our own little corner and we say, I just got to grit my teeth and i got to bear it. Well, you may have to grit your teeth. But let somebody hold your hand while you grit your teeth. Allow someone to help you. You don't have to blaze the trail the very first time all by yourself. You're not the first one who's dealt with what you're dealing with. That's the truth. Spend time with the body. Spend time with the body. We, we think we're all alone because we don't know the body. That's where that happens. When you get to know the body, you find out. These people are as messed up as I am. We're human beings. That's the struggle. Lean upon each other. Whose idea is that? That's God's idea. Help each other along the way. 
Hebrew writer said that one of the reasons we ought to come together, Hebrews 10.25, one of the reasons we ought to assemble together is to encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching because we need it. Listen, if you don't think you need me, you're wrong. If I don't think I need you, I'm wrong. We need each other. Lean upon the body. Let people help you. Look for purpose. We talked about this a little bit this morning. Jesus saw purpose. He didn't die on the cross so we'd have a nice story to tell. If it was just so we'd have a nice story and it'd be a, you know, a good conclusion to, to the book and I can't, I can't picture His life ending any other way, I don't see any reason for Him to do it. But He stood there and He prayed to His God and He depended upon His God and He made choices based upon, based upon His Father understanding something is going on. Something is going on in this life that is so much bigger than me. And I don't know if I'm a big piece or if I'm a little piece, but I know that I'm a piece of God's plan, of God's working hand. The words from Esther 4 and verse 14 that always send my mind just spinning and spinning and spinning and right back into my own life. When, she, when he's asking her to put her life on the line and she doesn't want to do it. She's got the same cup that Jesus had before him. Are you going to drink it? And you could die from drinking this cup. And he says, this isn't about you. You can remain silent and you can go about your life. You can live the, your life for, for all the days that the Lord will give you. And you can live in the palace and you can be a queen. God's going to do what He's going to do. Relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But I want you to understand that in this moment, this is not just about Esther, this is about you and about me and about whatever, whatever it is that we're facing. In this moment, we have an opportunity. We have a defining moment to be used by God in ways that we may not even understand. You may live your whole life and not understand the impact that you're going to have in God's grand scheme. In our Bible class this morning, we took some time and we went around the room and we had people talk about things that they're thankful for. And it was almost striking to me how many people talked about being thankful for people that aren't even alive anymore. But they made an impact. An impact they didn't even know they were making. See, I look for the impact right here, right now. Maybe you will make an impact right here, right now. Is there something beyond right here, right now? In the generations to come, friends, but even into eternity itself. Who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Who knows? Who knows whether you will inspire a generation? Whether you will inspire a grandchild or a great-grandchild. Who knows if someone else is going to see your strength and be inspired by that strength to face their own giant. I don't know all those things. Look for purpose. One of the things about looking for the hand of God, it affects the way that we live our life. 
I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. It's a big mess. I don't see any way it could get better. I don't see any way that it could get any worse. I want to see what God's going to do with this. And not only do I want to see what God's going to do with this, I don't want to miss it. I want to play a part in it. That's the excitement. That's, that's the excitement. If I'm just walking through life and life is just zooming on past me and God does all sorts of things, I don't see it. Listen, God works every day in everybody's life and people miss Him every single day. I want to stop and I want to look for God. Look for God. Look for His hand in this creation. Look for His hand in your life. And you may never on this side of eternity receive a definitive answer, but I want you to know if you're looking for purpose in your life, It'll change your life. It will change your life. And sometimes, I mean, I think people get carried away with things, but I don't know. I think, I think I'd rather get carried away with talking about what God has done than, than I would become a person who acts like God never really did anything in my life. Which one are you? See, if I'm this person who doesn't really think God's ever, ever has or ever will do anything, and I come to that cup, I'm going to be overwhelmed by that. But if I'm a person who has such confidence that God is doing something, on my best day, God is doing something, and on my worst day, God is doing something. Look for purpose. For we know... Don't we? For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. From the God who could take the worst day this world has ever seen. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The crucifixion of the Son of God. A day when the sky was darkened. And Satan thought he was victorious. And he turns it into the greatest day that this world has ever seen. We wear crosses around our neck. Don't you? Some of you ladies tonight. How many of you men? Maybe you got crosses. We wear little pieces of jewelry. Little earrings. Little necklaces. Of what? Of the cross that Jesus was crucified on? Yeah. Because it's not about the cross that Jesus was crucified on. It's about the cross that saved the world. That has brought about the redemption of mankind. Because we serve a God that if He can do that, there are no limits on the good that He can bring from whatever my story is or whatever your story is. And in the moment when I'm face to face with the cup, the cup that I didn't quite understand, I didn't ask for, I certainly didn't see it coming, that can make all the difference. I don't know what you're struggling with tonight. But I do know that you're not alone. I do know that you're not the first person to walk in your shoes. I know that you're surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ who have more than likely walked the same path. I also know that you have a God who came and put on flesh 
so that he could sympathize. And that when he faced the greatest trial of his life, he set forth a pattern. Plead with God. Open your heart. Bear your soul. Pray. Pray. Pray like you've never prayed before. And then pray some more. Pray until you pray. Lean upon Him. Consciously make choices. Consciously make choices that are a reflection of your belief that He is in control. Look for that purpose. Speculate. When you drive off and you're talking to your friends or you're talking to your spouse, talk about it and say, maybe God's doing this. Maybe God's doing that. Let your mind go crazy. I don't know because God thinks crazier than you think. It will change your life. And it will enable you to drink the cup. It will enable you to have peace on your worst day. And it will enable you to become a bright and a shining light in a world that is filled with darkness. That's the call. That's the example. Come and drink the cup. Drink the cup that Jesus Christ came to drink. Come to Me. That's what Jesus would say. Come to Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Whatever your struggle is tonight, come to Jesus for rest, and He will give it to you. Won't you come as we stand and as we sing?